Welcome to episode four of the second series of Our World, God's World podcasts. Our guest today, answering the eight questions, telling us about her life and faith, is Mary Cookson. Mary is a church warden at St Lawrence's East Harptree, a village in the Mendips south of Bristol. It is a very beautiful village, on the side of a hill. Behind it is a deep narrow coombe. The bottom is wide enough only for a stream and a footpath and rich in nature's wonders. Before she retired, Mary was an English teacher in a secondary school in Bath. As well as the natural world, Mary delights in the riches of literature, both ancient and modern, and all this is reflected in her faith a faith she puts into action. Mary begins by introducing herself. Thank you, Trevor. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Uh, I'm Mary. I'm young at heart, though maybe less so in years. I'm very happily married. I've got a wonderful family and many, many friends, and I've lived in the same little village community in the Mendip Hills in the west of England for the last 40 years. I enjoy sharing the joys of literature with bright young minds through a long career, teaching in three different schools, and I've always enjoyed being involved with young people and children. My life in our church family means a lot to me. My Christian faith underpins my life. It's a thread that I can see running through it and weaving rich patterns. I like doing a lot of creative things, I have a weakness, well, more than one, for books and clothes and jewellery and dark chocolate. Wonderful. That is so interesting, Mary. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Ponder that one. (laughs) So the first question is, choose four adjectives to describe life where you live. Well, there are a whole plethora of words I could use, but... I've chosen, my life here is blessed, it's rooted, it's fulfilling, and it's expectant. Were they hard to choose? Uh, Blessed was not hard to choose because I am just so obviously blessed in so many, many ways. Um, And I suppose similarly rooted because I'm rooted in uh, a loving relationship. I'm rooted in a big family. I'm rooted in a place that I love. And I'm very much rooted in our Christian church here. Have you lived very long in your village? Yeah, 40 years, 40 years. I came here from um, another little hamlet really between Bristol and Bath and before that I lived on the outskirts of Bristol. Um, You can probably tell that I have got some some people say uh, a distinctive Bristol bit in my accent but this is just a wonderful place. I think we were sort of pulled to live here and as soon as I came here one of the first things I did was to go to a service in the church and that was like coming home. It was just wonderful. So all of those are positive adjectives. Did you contemplate at all uh, any negative one? Uh, 
Very few, really. Very few. I suppose one could say that living in a village can mean that you have to make more of an effort to get to things like music or concerts or what have you. But on the whole, um, no, I, I just find this a very satisfying and supportive place to be. Thank you, Mary. That encourages us all. <laughs> so question two. Apart from personal things, what two things do you think about most? Well, I do listen to the news a lot and, uh, and I read a paper every day. So I like to think that I'm keeping aware of issues going on around the world in places so very, very different from where I live. And a lot of my time is taken up with thinking about what we're doing in church and what my little bit of that might be and what God might want that to become. Other than that, I'm lost in books. <laughs> we can come on to books then. So what's your favourite book? This is question three. What's your favourite book, movie, TV or radio show and why? And I might give you the opportunity to like more than one since. Well, I hope you will, because I found this impossible. This is the most difficult question of all. I can't give you one book, Trevor, because I've, my life has been filled with books and literature. And I have got a list of about 50 that really would be really important to me. So what I'm going to do um, is suggest that we might or I might compose an anthology of snippets of my favourite poets and favourite bits of some of the authors that I really wouldn't want to be without. So it would be a bumper book for me. Yes. <laughs> so would you like to name just a few of the people that would appear in your book? Yeah, indeed. Well, I certainly want to have quite a lot of poetry. So I'd want some of the romantic poets. I'd want some Gerald Manley Hopkins. Uh, I'd like a little bit of T.S. Eliot and Robert Frost and uh, Hausman and Yeats. And I'd like some Malcolm Geit poems. Um, and in terms of novels, well, I'm a great fan of Dickens and of Jane Austen, of Thomas Hardy and the Brontes. And then more up to date, if you like, I love Alexander McCall Smith, the stories of Botswana, which are so gentle and so wise. But I also love his Scotland Street series where he takes a little group of people and really explores their lives, a bit like Jane Austen. It's a very small canvas, but it is so rich. So he is your only 20th century, 21st century writer out of all those you've named. They're yeah, that's two. right. Yeah, no, I do read others. I mean, I've got a tendency to read detective stories every now and then because I like to see if I can solve things. So I like reading Val McDermott or Anne Cleves. Um, I like uh, some historical novels. So I've read quite a bit of Philippa Gregory. And like many of us, I suppose, I've read the Hilary Mantel series. I tend to be impulsive. I pick up a book and think, oh, that looks nice. I'll, I'll have a go at that. Or someone recommends something and that starts me off on another quest. I can say that you are a voracious reader. So yeah. I, I think you must spend hours reading and you must be able to read very fast. I 
think I read quite quickly. I think that comes from teaching and having to read, scan, read sometimes to extricate the bits that you really want to explore with the pupils that you're sharing it with. So, yeah, it's become a lifelong habit that I do read quite quickly. I tend then to sometimes go back and reread things at a much slower pace. Um, I certainly enjoyed reading all of yours, um, particularly the White Gate series, because the stories and the science fiction element are just exciting and really do stretch your imagination. But also the way that the characters are confronting issues and learning and how Christian themes come through that so very clearly. Um, so, yeah, I've, um, that's another find, you see, through talking to you and reading your books. I've discovered a lot more things. But thank you. What about well, you? Have, you have a way of dancing with words, Trevor. You talked in one of your sermons about dancing, and I think that is just appropriate. You do. You really dance and make wonderful patterns. It's a good job you don't see me physically dancing. I would <laughs> fall over. Uh, what about TV, Mary? You haven't mentioned that. Do you have time for TV? Oh, I watch some. Um, I watch the news. Um, and uh, I also would watch anything really that David Attenborough's made or Brian Cox, because they, again, stretch my mind and take me to places that I would never get to. Brian Cox is amazing. I mean, I my physics mistress once told me she I was the most illogical woman she'd ever met. Um, and physics seemed a closed world to me. But I think he is just wonderful at explaining in simple terms some of the real complexities that scientists are discovering about our universe and beyond. Yeah. So anything that um, they were involved with, I would certainly watch, yeah. That, that would be among my top television watchings too. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much, Mary. We'd better get on to the fourth question. Yeah. If you were to become a castaway like Tom Hanks in the movie, other than the obvious practical things, what would you most like to find in one of the FedEx boxes washed up on your island? Well, it would be a bespoke box, Trevor. It would have been specially packed with me in mind. So in it, there would be a Bible, because um, I would want that to be able to dip into. Um, there'd be another book, probably a book um, by Father Richard Rohr. Um, he's written so many things, and I've read most of them. Um, maybe Everything is Sacred, or Everything Belongs, or A Spring Within Us. Uh, I'd like a, a thick journal and lots of writing materials because I'd want to write down all the things that I saw and things that happened and to try and reflect on what the experience was doing to me. I'd like a recording of Allegri's Miserere because I think it is so poignant and beautiful and it always puts a chill down my spine and it would remind me um, particularly of an occasion in a cathedral, listening to that and being totally, totally enraptured by it. Um, and then I'd like a, a track called When Grey Skies Turn to Blue. It's not well known, it comes from um, a film really called Il Passione by, and the music's written by Chris Rea. And it's got a very clear message in it. 
but it's also very personal uh, and it brings back a host of really happy memories. And then I'd like a bunch of flowers, English garden flowers that were continually refreshed so that I could smell and look at and just wonder at the difference between them and their, their beauty and their fragility. I'd like a big jar of Marmite and I'd like a big slab of dark chocolate. Well, Mary, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a re- really difficult to organise. <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure whether you're ready to be flown out to a desert island with all those those things that you like. But it, no, probably not. <laughs> but it's a testimony of how wide your appreciation of the things this world can bring you is. Um, we thank you for that. So interesting. I think life is just staggeringly wonderful. And there are so many, many things that, you know, we should just glory in every day. Do you know what? I think on this desert island, you would find things that you didn't expect to find and you would glory in them too. I think I would. And I might even overcome my fear of snakes because I don't like snakes. And I'm sure there might be some. So I'd have to learn to love them too, wouldn't I? They're very beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I can appreciate that. Mm. But I don't like their sinuous slithering. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But if you thought that uh, perhaps they didn't mean you any harm. That's true. You see a lot of things that we don't like are just because we're fearful, aren't they? And That's correct. Yeah. But this desert desert island has friendly snakes and friendly spiders. Oh, good. That's fine. That's fine. And probably ones who are up on the literary genres of the day. Yes, well, I could sit with a spider in his web and he could weave his web and we could talk about whatever, books, poem. He could yeah. weave a web and I could write a poem about it. <laughs> I look forward to reading it. <laughs> so we have to rescue you so we can get all the literature that comes out of your island. Oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. So question five, when do you feel closest to God and or spiritual things? I think like many people, I find the natural world is the place where I am lifted up by the beauty of what's available. I love walking by the sea and listening to the waves beating on the shore and that rhythm that goes on and on. I love walking and so to walk up hills and look out over a wonderful landscape again, just standing there surveying it and thinking, goodness me, and the horizon stretches in front of you. Um, And just walking in the countryside, I'm blessed here that we are surrounded by wonderful countryside and to walk through the seasons, noticing the different flowers and the different colours and the different activity going on in the farms that's where I find that I am just overwhelmed, really, with the complexity and the interconnectedness of everything uh, and God's love and creative energy flowing through all of it. And then I like to be at peace with God quietly. So that might be sitting here at home, just contemplating and praying. 
or it might be sharing in a contemplative prayer group with some friends. It might be just being in a sacred space. That might be a church building, but it might not. It might just be a sacred altar somewhere else. Um, And then to be in church, being caught up in the singing and the sharing um, with Christian friends and knowing that God is there in the midst of all of it. It seems you find God in in many places. Yes, that's true, because I think God is there everywhere. Yeah. And we should expect to find him. Yeah, I think you see there are lots and lots of burning bush moments, and we need to take those when they come and stay with them, because those are sacred moments. Thank you for your contribution, Mary. We better get on to question six now. Why? What's the best piece of good news you have received in the last month? Well, I had a very good piece of news this morning. Um, We were out for a walk, bumped into a friend who's been carrying uh, an anxiety for a long time. And the outcome of that is joyful. So that brought me home rejoicing. And I thought I'm not a football fanatic by any means, but um, though my dad was. But I thought the England football team did very well. And I was very proud. And I thought that was really good news, even though we didn't win. I don't think that actually mattered. But it was good news to see people so enthused and so happy together. And all those young people, those young men, playing their hearts out uh, and giving their all for that game. Inspiring. It was, yeah. 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 Well, there you are. You have football to add to all this wonderful appreciation of the world. (laughs) That's down to my father. (laughs) So the question is, during the, you you support England, but what team do you support during the season? Oh, during the season, I follow the fortunes of Bristol City. Now, who else could I support? My father was a lifelong Robin. Um, And I have many memories of Saturday afternoons at home with my mum and my sister cooking, making lovely little jam tarts and scones so that when he came in from the match, if if they'd won, we could all rejoice. And if they'd lost, we could cheer him up. So do you go to Ashton Gate these days at all? No, I don't. I have been because my sister and her husband are still avid City fans. They have season tickets. Um, but I was never the sporty one of the family, you see. I was the bookworm. My sister was the sportswoman, as were my parents. So I follow them from a distance, but I have an affection for them, shall we say. Well, they're doing all right. They're doing yeah, not bad. Yeah. Well, well this next season, you have much hope. Does this, would this come into question seven? What's the best piece of good news you would like to receive in the next month? Well, it would be good to think that the city were on an upward um, tangent in in the coming year, this coming season. Yeah, that would be good. Um, taking a longer term view, we are involved in a lottery bid at the moment to do a lot of work to our church that is in need of lots of TLC. It would be just amazing and wonderful and an answer to prayer if we got that money. Um, and then we can start to do some really wonderful things. 
Our prayers are with you, Mary. <laughs> yeah, we need lots of prayers. <laughs> we do. Um, in total, if we were able to do everything we want, we need close on £800,000. And in fact, we are um, on the way to that in the, from appealing to other charities and appealing to people in the village community and friends beyond that and uh, to the church. We have raised close on 400,000. So we are within touching distance, really, of meeting our goal, provided we get the big pot of money from the lottery. You are very blessed. We are. We are extraordinarily blessed. We've worked very hard. This has been going on. It was embryonic in 2014. Um, And we really started on it in earnest about, I suppose, three or four years back. Right. We will follow this. That'd be good, Trevor. So the last question of all, have you got a message to give to the world? Well, I don't feel... um, I feel a bit humble to be giving a message to the world, but I suppose I'd say my little message is to live every precious day, thankfully and faithfully, and not to be afraid. Not to be afraid of anything? Not to be afraid of anything. Do you remember, you know, there's that lovely verse that nothing in life or death can separate us from the love of God. And when you're in the depths, that's what you cling on to. There's no need to be afraid. God is with you wherever you are. Always. Always. We are never, ever out of his presence and his love. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Trevor. It's been really fun to talk to you. Before we finish, is there anything you would like to add? No, I don't think so, except to say that I found it a really rewarding experience. Your questions are very clever. They really made me think hard. (laughs) Um, So I've learned a lot about myself, really, by my reactions. And I would encourage lots of other people to do this sort of exercise because it's so rewarding. Yes, so... Those people who are listening to this, ask yourself the same questions. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And share it with your friends. That is good. Thank you, Mary. And thank you for being part of this podcast. And we look forward to hearing your updates later. It's my privilege, Trevor. Thank you. Several weeks have passed. And earlier this week, I asked Mary how things were turning out. It's good to have you, Mary, for this follow-up interview, and we'll see what's happening to you in this last month. The first thing to ask you, Mary, is how are things going with the project that you were telling us about? Well, Trevor, we've had a really good team of people working throughout this whole process, led by my fellow church warden, Guy, whose dedication and attention to detail and drive have been inspirational. So we're now very optimistic that we will be in a position to take our project to completion by doing all the much-needed conservation work at St Lawrence and engaging in a very exciting related activity plan, which will involve the local and the wider community. 
all that sounds very positive, Mary. When would you like to start and how long do you think it would take? We'd hope to start this work in April of 2022 and to be able to reopen our church in time for Christmas. So can you tell us a bit more about exactly what you intend to do? So we're intending to do some very, very necessary work on our church tower and some conservation that has to be done and the parapets at the top, which are pretty dangerous at the moment. So work on the tower, work on the bell chamber, taking the bells down, having them refurbished and then rehanging them, doing a huge amount of improved access work outside the church, coming up from the gate. You know that to come up to us, there's quite an incline and it doesn't meet any of the necessary disability rules these days. And it does mean that people who haven't got a lot of mobility really find it quite hard to come up to church. So there's going to be a huge new plan for the churchyard, which will improve the access both on the south side and the north side. And we're going to get rid of the very heavy doors on the south side, which really do put people off. They have to struggle to open them. This is about welcome and inclusion. Exactly that, Trevor. We want to make it much more welcoming and so that whether you're a regular member of the church community or you're just someone who's passing by, it's not daunting. You can get in easily. So we'll be doing that and making the churchyard a place, a real sanctuary, a haven for more wildlife and greater biodiversity and making it a green learning space, which our school can make tremendous use of with signage to help people to identify butterflies and birds that we have and the bats and all those sorts of things. And then inside, we've got some lovely Victorian war paintings, a medieval painting that we've got there, and also clean the very decorated barrel roof so that we can see that in its glory, and then have up lighting put in so that, again, the sanctuary really is a place of inspiration. You know, people will look at it and wonder, Um, and that's all to God's glory. And we've got a Lovely lot of stained glass, but one particular window, which is a triptych by Carl Parsons. It's an art and crafts movement inspired window, which has been damaged by water coming in. So that's coming out and going to a local studio where it will be cleaned and repaired and then put back in. Part is an activity programme, a two-year activity programme, that will show that not only are we taking care of the building of the church, but we're reaching out into the community and offering all sorts of things to all the people in the village and beyond. And working, again, through a contact that Guy has with um, a school in Bristol, about which I think you know, called Learning Partnership West. And they deal with very, very disaffected young people who have very little inkling of what life is like outside their very, very shabby and poor urban environment. So they'll be coming out to do exciting things like learning some life skills and doing rambles and walks and building shelters and all sorts of exciting things. And hopefully visiting the churchyard as well and maybe even coming into the church so we can explain things to them. You have Um, a real vision, Mary. It is so exciting and an example of how you can use these ancient buildings, which we have to look after because they're so old 
And yet they shouldn't be millstones around our neck, but opportunities to share and include other people. And it's good to hear you want to include other than those who can afford to drive to your village. That's right. That's right. I think we can tell people that it is East Harp Tree, can't we? So if they want to find it, look up East Harp Tree. So let's move on to your, you were telling us a lot about reading and the excitement you have with literature. And I wondered if you had discovered any new book since we last talked. Yes. um, Again, it's come, as it often does, through a friend or a recommendation. A book called The Salt Path by Raynor Wynne um, is a true story. And it's a heartrending story, really, about a couple in their 50s who, through no fault of their own, found themselves homeless and I mean, it's almost incredible the burden that they had to cope with because at the same time they discovered that the husband had a rare terminal illness. Mm. Rather than just give in, they decided that they were going to do a walk and the walk becomes a kind of metaphor. And they walked the whole 630 miles of the southwest coast path. They learned a lot about their own resilience. The book is also a testament to love and the fact that it was love, really, and determination that kept them going. It's an interesting story. You would enjoy is it, it. Is it a true story, Mary? Yes, yes, absolutely true. Yeah. Well, yeah. I look forward to finding out about this and reading this. We have to move on, I think, Mary. We could talk all day and it would be lovely yeah. to do that. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us while you've got the opportunity? Well, we are blessed here because we often get lovely sunrises. Not long ago, I was looking out at the bedroom window and there was the most spectacular sunrise. Glorious colours, rich purples merging into reds and then to golds. And I just watched it while it all changed and unfolded. And then, you know, having thought, well, this is just wonderful, um, I came back into the sitting room where there was a bunch of flowers that a friend had given me, amongst which there were some lilies. Overnight that night, they had exploded into their full glorious selves. You know, wonderful colour, wonderful shape, wonderful perfume. And I thought, wow, goodness me, two fantastic moments on the same morning. And then I sat down to read, as I always do, first thing in the morning, something reflective. And extraordinarily, I read a bit by Delia Delio. She, um, she writes quite widely. I mean, she's, she's a very lively woman. And she writes very widely about Christian things and her experience as a, a Franciscan sister. And that morning, she was talking about the mystery of God's love. And she said, Everything that exists speaks of God and reflects the love energy of God. But God is more important than anything that exists, and he is always the more in our lives. We just can't contain him. We need to trust the power of God in our lives to do new things and recognise that God is the power beneath our feet, the depth of the beauty of everything that exists, and the future into which we are moving. And those three things just fell into one for me. Wow. Thank you, Mary. That is just, there's so much inspiration there. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you find inspiration in nature, but also sometimes people just hit the right note, don't they? Yes. I'm very grateful to you, Mary, for being part of this podcast series. I really am. 
Um, we're going to have to finish. But before we do, would you like to finish with a prayer? I ask my guests if they've got a prayer to share. Yes, I'd like to share with you a prayer that I use every day. It's um, Again, it's a Franciscan prayer. It's written by Father Richard Rohr. And he prays, loving God, you fill all things with a fullness and a hope that we can never comprehend. We pray that you will take away our natural temptation for cynicism, for denial, for fear and for despair. Help us to have the courage to awaken to greater truth and greater humility and greater care for one another. May we place our hope in what matters and what lasts, trusting in your eternal presence and love. So, Lord, listen to our heart's longings for the healing of our suffering world. We know, good God, that you hear us better than we can ever speak. So we offer you these prayers in all your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Trevor. I've really enjoyed it, Trevor. Um, You've opened up all sorts of wonderful things. Thank you. And I'm so grateful to you for being part of it, Mary. And I look forward to seeing your church in its full glory. Mary Cookson is a prodigious reader. There was no way I could confine her to just one favourite book. However, her Franciscan spirituality emerges quite strongly and the book she recently discovered is by Ilia Delio. Delio is based at Villanova University in Washington, D.C., Delio integrates both science and religion and has written 20 books touching on some of the most important concerns and developments of our time. Mary's final prayer is written by Richard Rohr. He is also an American, a Franciscan, and he lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He founded the Centre for Action and Contemplation in 1987. In stark contrast to the rural West Country of the United Kingdom, next week we are going to one of the most densely populated parts of the planet, Hong Kong. Our guest is Hannah Lau. Hannah is a young entrepreneur with a very different lifestyle to any of my previous guests. Tune in on Saturday the 9th of October from 6am UTC. Until then, this is Trevor Stubbs signing off. In the meantime, whatever challenges you face, may you know the presence of God with you.